Hello and welcome back to the Comeback Podcast. As you know by now, I am your host Connor and I interview people from Saigon, Vietnam and also around the world about their stories, experiences, lessons and more. And today I am delighted to welcome my French guest Lucille, who is here to talk to me about quite a heavy subject, but one in terms of her own comeback, which is the theme of the show, the comeback beats the setback. It is not what happens to you, but how you bounce back. Welcome Lucille, how are you? Hi, I'm fine, thanks. Thanks for having me. No, it's a pleasure and I think you kind of have some kind of overview of how this show works. Mm-hmm. I'll just give you, I suppose, the brief introduction. When I interview somebody, I'm just curious about their background, just to see where they're from, what life was like, I guess a little bit of the picture. Sure. Do you mind telling me about your upbringing in France? Uh, so, um, I'm from France, uh, living near Paris. So. Uh, I've been in Vietnam for 10 years and a half now. So, um, yeah, I've been working in the textile industry so far from the beginning. And everything goes well. So I started to come to Vietnam and living in Baolok, Lamdong. Mm. So it's between Dalat and Saigon, countryside. <laughs> I was the only foreigner there. <laughs> but I stayed there for four years, so, but just like mining the work so wow what was that like because i can't think of anything but i wouldn't enjoy that to be honest <laughs> with you i like i quite like the vibrancy and just meeting new characters what was it like living in such an isolated area uh for me at the beginning it was like wow that's a new adventure i'm going to a place that there is only vietnamese so i'm coming to vietnam to be with local people so i guess at the beginning let's say oh okay that's fine of course, I didn't realize maybe that really I was the only foreigner and I didn't know how to speak Vietnamese. And at that time, I was with my boyfriend who is uh, Vietnamese. And uh, so I had only him. So just he was helping me to see around and visit, but there was actually nothing to do. But I was working at the factory, so for me, it was completely new. I was loving in the lingerie industry. So I was loving to see like, the process, how you do lingerie, how your factory is working, how, how it goes, because I was only, you know, like when I go to the shop and my, I buy my own underwear, right? But you never know where it's come from. So I go there and I see, and I was working uh, six days per week. So it take full time of me. So I didn't really have time to think of, okay, what I'm going to do for my pastime. What I, so I just enjoy my Sunday doing nothing, chilling. That was, that was okay. But after a while, yeah, it's become like, mm, yeah, I have nothing to do. I have no friends. I have quite a little bit difficult. Mm. Uh, I was enjoying some time. I take my weekend to come to Saigon and I was, ah, big city. (laughs) But uh, yeah, that was, I mean, that was okay because I still learned a lot of things in professional uh, area. Of course. I actually learned a lot of Vietnamese. I had no choice to learn Vietnamese, right? So, mm. I, or um, there I start to um, take lessons of Vietnamese and only speak Vietnamese because maybe only one or two people in the factories know how to speak English. So that was great. <laughs> yeah, that's so that. surreal. I was going to say, that's a good thing maybe because a lot of people, if you move to Saigon, me included, <laughs> I'm very guilty don't really make too much effort for Vietnamese because it's mm. so convenient. But if you get put in a place like um, where you were, you kind of have to, or it's almost sink or swim. So that was 
useful for you, I suppose, in seeing an authentic side of Vietnam. Yeah, definitely, because it's really countryside, the way of people like are living. Uh, I'm very happy that, because yeah, since I'm in Saigon now for six years, maybe more, I didn't learn anything new in Vietnamese, because now I'm like my company is a foreigner company, so I only speak English. I'm living in Taoding, so <laughs> you know, I have a lot of friends, but French friends or like foreigner friends also. But yeah, I, I do not practice my Vietnamese much since oh, yeah. Saigon. So I'm quite happy that I have now my, my background in Bolak, So Of course, to have like both sides, I suppose, of that authentic Vietnamese experience, mm. but also the Saigon life, which often isn't too Vietnamese, as yeah. in Tao Dien could be a little Europe, yes. if, you, if you look <laughs> at it that definitely way. definitely is. <laughs> yeah. how, how have you found adapting from the countryside to Saigon? Have you, you've been here six years in Saigon, yes. right? So how have you found that whole experience of the big city? Uh, I've never been really like a city girl, because even in, the, um, in France, I'm living in like a village, or I was near Paris, but not inside Paris, so Again, very countryside of France. Uh, first, I was saying, ah, oh, no, I don't like to live in the city. There's too noisy. There's too crowded. There's too many noise. Like, I don't think I like. Like, I need some quiet time. Some. But after living four years in the real countryside, like it's not French countryside. It's Vietnamese countryside. <laughs> uh, I quite enjoy because I met new people, French people. So I kind of was, was missing France. So when I meet new French people, I was like, oh, so great, I feel like home again and so many activities to do here, so many things to do. So oh, I quite like it. But anyway, at the beginning, because I was still working for the same company and this company uh, were in, was in Bianhua city. So it's like about one hour from uh, Ho Chi Minh. So even if my apartment was in Ho Chi Minh, my work was one hour so I was like waking up very early take a bus go to the uh, office and work and sometimes work late and the time I go home it's already late so it was kind of an adjustment because it was not too much in one time because I was still in the work uh, set of mind so I just work I go home and sleep work go home sleep <laughs> so but little by little I I made some friends I uh, uh, start to go out a little bit and and I now I really like it absolutely yeah yeah and what are your favorite aspects of Saigon would you say uh, the diversity of the city but it's um, I mean you can have anything you like here in terms of food any restaurant you want because I was missing French food or even European food or even imagine. McDonald's <laughs> <laughs> so any kind of I had my uh, I love Vietnamese food but after four years just eating Vietnamese food and you're like okay I, I really wish I could have a pizza yeah you, d you do like, miss uh, it yeah, yeah that has to be a balance yeah so having here anything you want at the time you want because everything is open late you have a 24 hours uh, shops you have um, I don't know also activities you have different kind of sport you want to do uh, the bar to go out many events easily to meet people network place so yeah I, and you meet so many kind of different people Absolutely. So, like uh, from each countries from different set of mind so you learn to meet new people you learn from them so 
Yeah, I, uh, I like that. You like the diversity. I'm yeah. completely the same. I think of the, the different range of things you can do and go to, mm. which is why when I hear experts say, there's nothing to do, or there's only bars, it's like, no, 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 there's so much more. You yeah. just have to go and find it. Yeah, and even like, I mean, even if the city gets boring, you have some getaway place, not so far. And I mean, the airport is here also, so you can easily take a flight for an hour. You're in Fukuoka, or you're in Yachang, or near the beach if you need some time out of the city. So I think, yeah, it's quite um, comfortable. Really. Absolutely. And now that we've, I suppose, explored, <coughs> excuse me, like the early years and coming here now and the contrast between the countryside and the city, Let's talk about your comeback story. So, as you know, the show is called The Comeback Beats The Setback, <laughs> which all relates to the challenges we face and how we bounce back. Yeah. Do you mind telling me about your comeback story? Okay, so my comeback story, so everything, my nightmare kind of started. Uh, so, like I say, I was with my boyfriend here. He's, he has the double nationality, so French and Vietnamese, but I met him in France. So, anyway, we came here, his family, um, is here. Uh, so we were together for six years, I mean one year in France and then come here. Six years later we get married. Uh, one year, uh, nearly two years later I'm getting pregnant. So I'm the mother of a four years old son now. Uh, and uh, it's really started maybe at the time I was eight months pregnant where I don't know suddenly the relationship something something fell off like I had like a bad feeling that something was happening I don't know he was very distant uh it was going out all the time but for me I'm I'm kind of naive yes but I was quite of happy that he met new friends he go out I cannot go out because I'm pregnant but he can so I'm happy he's happy so whatever and uh but then it started to feel Okay, something, something fishy. I, it's like the instinct, you know, mm -hmm. you say. That uh, he was cheating. He was seeing someone. I don't know. We start to little by little come at three a.m., then four a.m., then six a.m., then ten a.m., and then, then you're saying later <laughs> and later. Yeah, and you say no, some something's wrong here. And of course, when you confront people cheating, their only answer is like, "You're crazy." That's it's the hormone talking, you know, like, uh, of course it's in your head. And anyway, you have, a, you don't have any proof. So guys, don't ever say that to a girl who thinks you're cheating because <laughs> it's kind of saying, yes, I am, but <laughs> I'm not going to tell. So it's like basic. From the moment the girl has the instinct that the guy is cheating, it's like already something is wrong. Mm. So uh, of course he was saying, oh, you have no proof. And anyway, I was like, okay, never mind. But this feeling never left me. It's like, that's really something wrong. So at some point I managed by myself to find the proof I needed. <laughs> Stoker alert. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to ask you how, or do, do you want to say how? I can say how, I mean, it's not really legal, but at this point I think I'm, I'm safe from that. Uh, uh, I was talking to my sister about all these things. I was like, I said, okay, something's wrong. I know that there is one particular girl that he discussed a lot because he was actually talking to her by Vietnamese, but he was not hiding. Like even we were in the bed, he was on his phone and like replying to her. Didn't hide, but it was in Vietnamese. So he was thinking that I will not 
catch it or I don't know. I don't know what was on his mind, but anyway, so I share with my sister. So she's in France, but I talk a lot with her and she's like, something wrong. I know it, but I don't know how to get the proof I need. And she said, okay, leave it to me. So she basically, I mean, she's like the FBI, my sister, <laughs> if you ask her something in like just a few hours, she will get you the information they did. So now she, she managed to have access to her Instagram account. So basically she created like a fake account and asked her to follow and she followed back. So, and from that, I got all the proof I needed. So because this girl was, how to say, very proud to go out with a married man who is supposed to be a father soon. Mm. I mean, at that time, my, my son was born actually, oh, because okay. uh, I realized that I got those information. Maybe my son was two months old mm, already, okay. so like a few months past. And, uh, and yeah, and so I had all the proof I needed. So I had say, but still, like when I saw all the picture of them together, like going on holiday together, like you're thinking, he told me he was there, but no, okay, so, and so you confront him and you say, okay, so yeah, you are cheating. But of course, you always have an excuse for even a little single picture because they were never really in the picture together. Like she was taking picture of him, uh, maybe only his hand or his foot. And when he say like, no, but she's not on the picture with me. So she just take the picture that one of my friend too can, but she's not with me. And I mean, you cannot even imagine the lies he was saying. And you're just like, okay, I'm not stupid, but I have a two months old son now. I'm in a foreign country. I know no one. And for me, I was kind of didn't want to really believe was happening like yeah, denial it, like saying yeah no no and even if he did it um he must have a reason for that like trying to find excuses for him saying oh we're in bath bath like he he just being a father so it's very stressful uh at that time his mother was really really sick so i say okay i give him all the excuses in the world and at some point i told him okay so now we're married we have a son uh so it's her or me, you have to choose. I give you one more chance. And he basically looked me in the eyes and said, if you think I'm going to break up with her for you, you can dream. Uh, if you're not happy, you can ask for the divorce. I don't care. Uh, oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> How did you <laughs> feel at that moment of a mask? Uh, honestly, quite step back because I really wasn't expecting this kind of how can you expect this kind of answer? But it's like suddenly a very dark side of him shows up to me and, oh, wow. I said, but of course I'm not going to accept that. But so I decided, to, I said, okay, then I move out. And then when he saw that I was actually really leaving, he come back and said, oh, no, no, I'm sorry. I messed up, please come back. And we had this game for like maybe a few months. Or, but then I realized he was still seeing her and still shitting, like I saw some stuff, like going to the airport to pick him up and finding him with her. Actually, he was on holiday with her. I actually saw them, uh, how to say, having sex in my apartment. Like I just show her in, during my lunch time, just I pick up something in my apartment. And, okay, <laughs> okay, then, then you say, okay, now you have to, 
I just say, okay, listen, now don't be stupid. There's absolutely no sense on what you are doing now. So just decide to move up for goods. And then uh, that was kind of the first part of my nightmare. Um, so the cheating, because after you say, no, I will break up with her one day. But I promise you the love of my life is just about that. I mean, you can <laughs> you can imagine, right? So it's like he still doesn't want to admit anything, but he's still saying he's not going to stop with her. So I say, okay, I take my stuff, I take my son, I move to another place, and I need to breathe on now. So we officially separated, I mean officially, we separated, but he didn't say anything to his family. At the beginning, I also didn't want to say anything to mine because I was in Vietnam, my family's in France, and you're like, oh, I don't want to stress them, they are going to panic for sure, because my mother is super emotional, so... It's a lot of information to take yeah. in as well, right? Yeah, yeah. so what I was, I said, okay, they don't need to know that for now, I'm telling them when I tell them, I prefer to say face-to-face, -face. but I didn't know when was the face-to-face, -face, so anyway. And then it continues with, um, like, him coming back to me, saying, no, okay, we break up, we're not together, but it's better you take the apartment we have now. So drop the apartment you have now, come back to the place we lived. Uh, I promise you it will just take a few weeks for me to find another place, but just come back for now. Our, our son will be better in his room in the bigger apartment. And I was, okay, fair enough. So I will move back. I moved back. We were in separate bedrooms, so still not together, of course. But he was still trying, like every time, like, no, but I promise you, I'm not with her anymore. And I say, you know, at that point, like, I cannot even believe even one word you're saying. And then uh, from that, the second part of my nightmare started, where when you live together with your exes, <laughs> and at that time, actually, we had a two weeks lockdown. Oh. Because of COVID. Of course, of course. And we were uh, one of the first apartments to be locked down for 14 days because uh, I don't know if you remember the story of the pilots. Oh, yes, uh, Spudabur. Yeah, yeah, I can say that. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So he was living just a few floors above us. Ooh, whoops. And then like we wake up one morning and oh crap, now we have to stay two weeks together locked in the apartment because. We were, yes, living together, but I was going out for, for work. Right? I was seeing him only like maybe two hours. You can I still could avoid him, yeah. Yeah, I can still try to avoid him. But like you say, oh gosh, not two weeks. That's going to be tough. Surprisingly, no, it was okay. So, but it was okay, but still there is kind of a tension still growing. Like, I don't know, the mood was becoming very bad. He was getting upset very often. I was also very frustrated because after the lockdown, I, I see him still go out, come back to AM. He's like, okay, you're here. You say, okay, yes, it's over, but it's still not good to know that he's still seeing this girl, right? So you're, the ego is there and saying, that's really not uh, why I'm here miserable. And he's there, like, just playing around. So I, I just take care of my son like, all the time. It was my rock. Okay, now I focus on him and that's it. But one night, the tension was like very fortuitous thing. I, I don't remember. I don't even recall, but it's something about laundry that I did my laundry and not his. 
stupid, right? We are not together. <laughs> and then he just like took my wet clothes, put them on the floor, and put his clothes instead. I say you're super childish, but I was also super frustrated. So my reaction was just put back his clothes on the floor and put mine again. Sure. <laughs> just wow. And from that, like when he passed through and see that his clothes were on the floor, something very dark happened in his eyes. Like the heaven come to him, I don't know how to say. And the last thing I know, I was on the floor and he was like kicking my stomach like I was a soccer ball. Just telling me the most beautiful name you can imagine. <laughs> and I was just like, okay. And then he just left me on the floor and go to the room take care of my son and uh, for a few minutes I was just on the front and okay what what just happened now I don't know my brain stopped my body make like a robot I just stand up took back the clothes where they were <laughs> and then went to the room took my son to put him to sleep and I stay in the bed with my son and like I didn't move for for the night like, frozen like everything frozen in me like Okay, no, that's not just happened. That's the kind of thing you just see in the movie or stories. Or, uh, you, you hear a lot about like domestic violence, but when it happened to you, it's like, no, that just happened to others. That just, I didn't see that coming anyway. So, so my first reaction like was totally denial. Like, no, that that not happened. That's not possible. And. Of course, I should not have reacted like the way I did. I should have just put his clothes. That's my fault. I, I, I provoke him. So, okay, never mind. And then, uh, then the next thing I know is like the little thing I do, like just go out with friends for lunch. And instead of putting my son to nap at 1 p.m., I put him at 1.30 p.m. I receive just like punches in the stomach or all these kind of little things. Like, you, you don't know where it's come from. And then you start to say, okay, now I do have a problem. We cannot just stay like this. And I cannot just let my son just be the witness of all that. Because of course, every time it happened, he made sure my son was on the same room. Because he knew that I was not going to react. Because I was not, we are not going to start a fight because the son, mm -hmm. my son was here. You know, like I was restricting myself. So he was going on like, I'm a preaching ball. I was I'm not going to react. You would make things worse. My son is here, of course, crying like. Uh. Oh, wow. So that was tough. And at some point, I just text my friend and I would say, I need help. Just that. And of course, the next thing I know that they were in my apartment. I say, okay, now you have to tell us what's happening. So I told them. And they were like, okay, you need to do something now. They cannot stay that. I know, I know, but just, just give me some time. I, I will do something, but just not right now. And uh, so my mind was ready to do something, but not. You stay, I think, in this kind of situation, super scared of what's going to happen next. You're in the foreign country. Your family is not here. And of course, it's not something you can tell your family. You know, I was already scared to mention we are separated mm. because he cheated. 
So imagine saying, oh, by the way, you're also kicking me. <laughs> so Yeah, of course. So no, that was not an option for me. So I was like, okay, I really need to think what will be the next step. But unfortunately, the time that I got to think about that, the, how to say, he take another level to that uh, one morning. Again, I really have no memories of why. I just remember like being like against the wall. He was like pushing me against the wall and telling me like very bad stuff. And I was just watching my son crying. I was like, okay, now it's over. Today I'm leaving this apartment. But I think he saw that in my eyes. Like suddenly was saying, why you're not reacting? Why you don't feel scared? Why? And I think from my eyes, you could see that I have absolutely no feeling. I really even didn't care that he was like punching me or anything. I was, okay, whatever, I don't care. The shock had gone away. Yeah, the shock has gone away. It's like, now I'm over it. It's just done. And I think he got scared of that because everything he was looking for from me from that is reaction. Whatever, he's like, okay, maybe she doesn't love me anymore because I cheated, but I can keep her with me by, make, by fear, right? That's another way to, to, to be in control to people. So, yeah, and so from that, I just, like, remember, so I just take my son in my arm when he stops and he come back with, like, a knife and saying, our son will have only one parent, one parent. Either you or me. One of us is going to die today. And forward, and say, and now you are not leaving this apartment until I tell you so. So, okay, so now I say, okay, now I'm scared because I didn't thought he was able to eat me. So when he comes with a knife, I say, okay, no, I don't thought he's going to do it, but he already surprised me like quite big time. Of course. <laughs> from the yeah, shitting, yeah. from the eating, and you say, Okay, now I'm not going to play like he's not like uh, that's this is going to be serious. And at some point, so I just stay quiet, I didn't react. I, I stay sitting in my bedroom, and at some point, he say, Okay, you can bring our son to school now, but tonight you're coming home, and you and me, it's going to be like a final confrontation, if I may say. Okay, and uh, so what I did is like. Yeah, I grabbed my son. I pretend that I was okay. I grabbed my son. He's cooled back. I bring it back to school. And then I say, okay, no, I'm not going to put a foot again in this apartment. So I call my friend. My friend said, of course, come, come over home. And like, it's what quite a um, quick briefing of what do I need to do now? Because still married to him, still having a son to him. It's not legally possible for me to take my son away from the apartment, whatever happened, without any kind of proof of what he was doing. Mm. So you're like and saying, okay, so what do I have to do next to make it legally some, I mean, I can have some support legally because I have my friend with me, this no issue, but you say, okay, what's next now? Wh what happened in Vietnam? How does it work? You know, when you're in France, you go to the police station, you just declare it and the police take over. But when you're in a foreign country, you're like, I'm lost. What do I have to do? 
and uh, and yeah and from that so I was I start to look for option or luckily my friend was here like I have many friends here. you should do that you should do that so the first uh, advice I had is to call my consular because say okay they're supposed to protect the their citizen and I w he was still actually writing to me messages saying I'm going to kill you I'm going to kill you so I said Okay, I, I do have the proof, so someone will help me. And then I called my consular and they were like, oh, that's a very sad story. Sorry, we cannot do anything for you. Have a good day. It's a big summarize, but <laughs> that's yeah, of course, the feeling. That, that was generally the, <laughs> the, generally the idea yeah, of the yeah. answer. Like, so you say, okay, so consular, no. So next, uh, they are telling me, okay, you go to the hospital, you want, you ask for a checkup for domestic violence and even if they cannot find any bruises on my body because at that time I didn't have any um, it's at least you will have like a follow-up like a paper saying you went for a checkup because this happened so my friends went with me for for the checkup and I met the doctor and the doctor was like oh uh, I don't see any bruises I say yes because I mean what he did this morning it was just like pushing me against the wall but yes I don't have any any mark on my body and it was then how then how can I believe you I say okay uh, of course I understand that you might be skeptical but I arrived there like I was a complete mess crying yeah sure I say I'm not going I, I'm not lying and still Again, at that time, he, com he continued to harass me, saying he's going to kill me. So I showed to the doctor, I said, look. And he said, oh, no, but you don't have any bruise. There's nothing I can do for you. So I just suggest for you to go home and come back when you have bruises. Jesus. I said, but he's telling me to, as soon as I go home, he's going to kill me. So what, what do I do? And he said, just go home and you'll see. So basically, also another person who's telling me, come back when you're dead. <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> so again, big summary, but that's at the moment and still today when I think of it, it's the summary of it. So you say, okay, so doctor, it's a no-go. So now the only one can help is the police. But still the police in Vietnam. When they, you come in Vietnam to the police to say domestic violence, I don't know if the fact that I was a foreigner did anything to it, but they were like, they also checked my body saying, okay, yeah, any bruises yeah. or anything. I say no, but I tell them again the story. I, the messages were in France, French, but someone was there to translate for me and say, you see, you see what he's saying? And they were like, there's nothing we can do. The only thing we can do is bring him here and then we'll have a talk like, like they would be like a mediator. Like oh, yeah, yeah. And then I got super scared and I said, how do you want me to bring him to the police station? That's, that's no way I want to confront him. Like the last thing I want to do. But they were saying like, you have no choice. If you don't bring him here, we cannot do anything for you. And so I don't know, at some point I was, okay, I need to finish with that. I text him and I say, I'm at the police station, come over. And he said, oh, you want to play that? Okay, okay. And then he just show up. And uh, 
he got stepped back because I think at the time he didn't really thought that mm. I was actually talking to the police. He was maybe thinking that I was just in front just of the police station. station <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, come in now. Yeah, 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 yeah. And no, I, when he <laughs> arrived, I was already talking to the police. So you had, I can see in his eyes like he was, yeah. oh crap. So. He thought, oh, sh- this is serious now. Yeah, so uh, now, oh, she did it. So, oh. but the police took him like in separate room. They talked to him. I, I don't know what they say. I don't know if they like scare him or, or just saying, stop bothering your wife <laughs> and also, and and then that they were just saying this is your saying against his saying and he's saying that yeah he he didn't deny that he hit me but he found excuses for it saying that I also did something and that was like self-defense uh, and so the police were like we cannot know who's telling the truth now so so we cannot do anything. Only thing we can do is like they make a sign of paper saying he cannot hit me again. <laughs> and uh, because I was also thinking of the custody for my son, like how, what are we going to do for that? And the police was like, we are not the court. We, you need to bring that to the court. But in the time me being, you just agree on one way of custody. You sign this paper. And if one of you is not respecting this, then yeah, maybe we can help. So we just signed the paper saying one witch each and and he went his way, I went mine. But that didn't stop him for still trying to harass me and saying, uh, no, now you have to come home and, and all this kind of stuff. Like Even after all that, and it was, you see, yeah, maybe I hate you, but you did something worse. You told me to the police. How is that worse? <laughs> Can you explain to me? Because no, if I told you to the police, is because what you did. But he has really no idea of. It looked like he didn't realize the. Um, what he did was horrible. Like for him, it was normal. Mm. So, so yeah, that was. That was kind of. Not the end of it, but. At that time, I stayed with my friend with few, for a few weeks, and he said, no, come back to the apartment. I say, <laughs> I just never, if, if I come back to this apartment, it's when you're, when you're gone already. That's no way we stay in the same place. If we want to meet, to talk about our son, it's in a public place. It's not <laughs> private, no way. So, so yeah, finally, he took his apartment, I took mine. He was still trying to bother me, like, in a way, trying to uh, take me back, <laughs> like he thought it was possible. Uh, but I think little by little, he get a little bit tired of that. And that was the point that I needed to, okay, I say, okay, now I need to go through that. What am I going to do with my life? What I was, what am I going to do with myself? Because it's kind of, uh, it lets mark. Of yeah, of course, course yeah. <laughs> both physical and mental. S- mentally, even yeah. more than physically. But, uh, uh, and that actually was not the worst part of it, is after a while when I was trying to get myself back together, I get a lot of advice from my friend, and one of my friends gave me this book that's actually, uh, your previous guest mentioned it, Mount. Mm. 
uh, I was part of this chain of people reading this book, French book. So it's uh, the title in English is so much for love. Now oh, they okay. they translate it in English. So when I wrote this book, because for me everything that happened, it was this is a new man. I don't know him. Something snapped on him. Something something's not right. But that's not the the man I met. That's no way. No way I could be wrong like that. But for eight years, no. And then I, wrote, I read this book. And on this book, this French girl is telling her story. That's how she lived like, with the pervert narcissic. And by reading her story, I saw my life on her story. So the same, the way that the manipulator, they are like, at the beginning is the big love. They are making you feel comfortable and happy and beautiful and and you feel good about yourself when you're with them because they do everything they can to make you feel like in love with them actually and yeah there was red flag that I couldn't see before maybe I didn't want to see or maybe because I have always been the kind of person who want to make the people I love happy mm -hmm. so I've never been very good to take care of myself. I prefer to take care of others, but I feel happy when they are happy. So my whole relationship with him was, he should be happy. And when he's happy, I'm happy. And for him then it was super easy to do whatever he wants with me. <laughs> like I, the fact that we moved to Baolog was one of his idea. So isolation, first step. And little by little, he make me feel like every choices I make are wrong. And it goes with small things, like I buy new clothes, oh no, that's ugly, you should buy that. And at some point, he was the one choosing my clothes. And I was like, that's okay, if you like me with this clothes, then mm. that's fine. But I mean, I'm, I know it might sound weird from other people, but you don't realize this thing, it's, it's so subtle, like... Yeah, it, like encroaching it, little by little yeah, until it's, it's forced control. Exactly, and so there was this and also like when I go to the restaurant, if I choose the restaurant and something goes wrong in the restaurant, like the food is not good, the service is bad, the, the price is too expensive, that's my fault because I choose this restaurant. So, and all these kind of things, so... Everything was my fault. And he also managed to make me think that by he never he was never violent, it was the opposite. He every time he got mad at me, he stopped talking to me. He's like completely ignoring me. At the beginning of the relationship it's just a few hours. And little by little it come like a day, few days. And I think the worst I got like was two weeks without being talked to. And he never say why he's not talking to me. Would you ever ask? I asked many times. So many times I tried to confront him. I said, now tell me what's wrong. If you not tell me, how can I know? And But that was his way for him because when you get mad at someone and they don't know why, they start to think, what did I do? I must have done something wrong. So you start to think again of what happened that day you're you're overthinking every little things and at some point 
and being ignored by the person you're living with is like one of the worst thing <laughs> to go through so little by little you'll be like super careful I don't want to do that maybe it's going to upset him I don't want to say that maybe it's going to upset him so by the end of the relationship I mean the end but some point of the relationship I I become like an empty doll I didn't want to say anything to upset him I didn't dare to take any initiative I I let him choose everything and so but all that I didn't realize until it was over and until I was on my own it's like I went to the shop because when I don't know for some people like me if I go through something bad I need like makeover like go to a haircut or go to buy your fully new clothes it's like you want to put away all the things and buy new things anyway so at the time I come to the shop and I wanted a whole new closet I was like oh my god I don't know what I like to wear I don't I don't know what fit me I don't know if it's okay to wear that I don't know and then you start to think and then when your friends are telling you hey what do you want to eat oh, honestly even up to today it's one of the worst questions you can ask me <laughs> what do you want to eat where do you want to go I don't know <laughs> wow, yeah. I don't want to make this kind of decision it like goes into your identity almost yeah. you lose touch of what it was yeah, like yeah. before you completely lost your personality mm. yeah you don't know what you like anymore what you like to do what you like to eat because all these years you rely on someone else and because he was happy to do that then I was happy to do that and but then you realize that and you're like oh my god what what did I become like what happened to me that's not me I, I'm normally someone who I love to go out I love to dance I love to meet people I love to talk to new people I love uh, I don't know I'm normally a very happy person always trying to keep my smile on but uh, yeah so at the point and when I wrote this book I read this book I was like that's what really happened but it's not just just a snap it's it's actually the whole relationship is a whole life for me <laughs> I was no, no and I had really hard time to process that has been I have been so wrong because you feel guilty you're saying that's my fault I should have seen I should I realize I should have say something and uh, yeah so you're like no no that's that's not that cannot be that but after some time I accept what happened and I say okay so now you have to accept you've been in a toxic relationship you have to accept that he was the wrong man for you and he just uh, used your knife tea or I don't know your my friend saying kindness I was, I was about to say kindness uh, <laughs> too kind so yeah and actually on this book she mentioned that the perfect victim are the person that like to please other like very um, um, yeah very kind or want to help others yeah. so we are like the, what she called the perfect victim mm. so it's helped because on this book she's telling don't feel guilty it's not your fault it's not a bad thing to be kind it's not a bad thing to want to help people it it's normal it's even great it's just you need to find the balance to of it of course it has to be regulated yeah, yeah so it's just not should be one way it should be like mm. area. yeah 
but yeah so you don't always when I met him I was really young I was was maybe 21 wow okay that is young yeah, yeah. so because now I'm 33 and uh, I had my son I was like 20 I got pregnant 28 mm. so just basically 29. on my 20s I, uh, I was with only him it was my first serious relationship mm. because you know I blame Walt Disney for that I live near Disneyland Paris and okay. all princesses prince charming and all this kind of stuff uh, yeah I also agree with you I feel like Disney and concepts like that really over romanticize love and make it what it isn't yeah they trivialize it to a point especially of, for yeah. the time that my generation now if you see the new Disney they are like more like life story yeah, a little sure. bit more like deep but at my time there was just princesses prince charming the prince came to save the princesses and they yeah. live happy ever after it's the same <laughs> in movies tv music there's always a concept of i can't live without you you're the only one and all of that stuff and i think it's dangerous exactly. i think it's feeding into a toxic narrative mm, yeah uh, and then and because also my family background since my grandfather, my grandfather left my grandmother for another woman, my father left my mother for another woman, and for me, I was, no, it won't happen to me. I will have a happy family. I will have my my kids going to grow with their father. Like completely denied. Like, no, not me. Them, maybe me. No, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to do everything I can so it's not going to happen to me. Unfortunately, you cannot force face. Of course, face, yeah. So. And during this period, your friends obviously were there throughout. Did they notice perhaps changes in you pre and post the incident? So, for example, did they notice you becoming more retreated in yourself or losing personality? Were they able to detect any of the signs that things weren't well with you? Um, the problem is that I met my friends now uh, I was already with him for a few years so they don't have the background of me before and the friend who had they weren't friends and they had no idea of what happening and I have just still have contact but very few contact with them so but still I think they managed to see maybe when the violence started that something were off I, I don't know when the cheating started because mm. I remember one night I just went to the restaurant with my girlfriend and, and we were like, okay, I, I had the feeling it was with her. I was still pregnant at that time and I said, no, I will go out with the girls and everything will be fine. And then suddenly at the middle of the dinner, I just start crying <laughs> and then I, I share with them what happened. And then from that, I think they became a little bit more alert mm. of what's happening to any me. red flags yeah. yeah the red flags so um but yeah it's not they didn't say that my personality changes because i think the biggest part of the job he did was already done mm. like uh, so so not really yeah there was just more alert on the like more not the personality but what really was happening mm. and with this story um all of this has happened to you You've gone to the police station. When did, I suppose, you start speaking out about perhaps to close ones or let's say after the police station? What happens next? Do you start speaking out to people around you? Do you take other methods? How do you become safe again? Mm. Um, so first, after the police station, I stay at my friend's place for 
maybe nearly three weeks. It felt good for me to be surrounded by my friend because I, I was not alone. They were all there, but still I felt really, really lonely because no one around me was really knowing what, what, what I felt because I still have to take care of my son. I still have to stay brave in front of him. And I still, for me, it was, I need to do things very quickly. I cannot just let myself drown, have my son with me. At that age, they are like sponges. Like if you're stressed, they are stressed. If you're crying, they are crying. So I said, okay, so now I take my life back. So uh, I start uh, therapy. So then I spoke with my therapist and it starts to feel a little bit better. I did tell my boss that something was going on. Luckily, it was super, uh, he understand and he said, okay, take the time you need. So I took some time off. I started to like, stay, seeing my friend and take some me time, like learning what is me time because for the past eight years, I was just training myself to someone else's life. And when my friend say, okay, today you're going on your own and you will go to the massage, you will go to maybe the nail salon. First step first, take some me time for you. And I did and actually I felt good. I was, maybe it was a little bit rushing, but I remember just the night after the police station, I went out, like party. And at that night I told my friend, I don't want to talk about what happened yesterday. Tonight is just, we don't think about anything else. It's like nothing happened. We're going to enjoy and we're going to, I don't know, just dance. Yeah. That's what I wanted to do, just to free myself from my mind. And, and yeah, so I did all this little stuff and little by little also, I tried to find what do I like to do for myself. So I started dance classes again because all my time in France I, I've been dancing and for me dance is the only thing I feel confident. Like, there are only one thing you ask me, do you, what do you, uh, what do you know? Uh, uh, what do you know how to do? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I will say, oh, I know how to dance. <laughs> what, what type of it's, dance? All dance or? Uh, in France I was doing like more modern jazz. Oh, cool. But I also did a little bit of hip-hop, salsa, bachata. Here I started the class of salsa and bachata again, and I just love it. And then just even going to a bar or a club and just dancing in the middle, like, I don't need to be drunk to be in the middle of the, the dance, floor. This dance floor and just, yeah, it's like nothing around is, <laughs> and that's okay. And I really like, I just enjoy dancing, so. And uh, after I, I try also some other stuff, like I'm now doing kickboxing. I really never thought it would be the sport I do, but uh, I actually really love it. It's super good for the stress. Just you, after one hour of kickboxing, you feel like so good, so relief. And now I know that if anyone wants to lay a finger on me, <laughs> you can solve them out. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> they will be the one who start therapy. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs> it's just okay. So now I'm really not scared about violence anymore. So no problem. Absolutely. It's just I feel safe now again. So it's like self defense. And uh, yeah, so the other part was to find what I like to do, and I'm still working on that. And. Now I like to, my, my main goal for 2022 is to experience all new things, go to new places, try new, 
new sport or try new experience, event or whatever you you want and and I really love it. Absolutely. And I and I end up saying like wow but life is so great. It's I take this as um it's still a good thing what happened. I, I super weird to say that. <laughs> I was actually just about to ask you a very similar question, so please carry on. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's super weird to say, but I'm still in a way be I'm thankful because I it's like I'm starting as a blank page. So yeah, he stole away my personality, he stole away many of my life, he stole away like uh, my proud, my money, <laughs> many many things. But from that day I was okay, now it's my time to do whatever I want with my life. So I'm a blank book. I can just write whatever I want from that. I can test and I can can just enjoy it. and the only thing I need to be careful on is just to don't feel like keep the balance. Of course, yeah, yeah. Stay vigilant. Stay vigilant because I still really love to take care of other people, and even in a new relationship, I feel like I'm dependent on the other, and that's why now I'm trying to do. It. Yes, I want to be hundred percent of the time with him, but no, <laughs> I will take some me time. I will uh, and just finding the balance and do what I want to do and not feeling if I feel like well, this I don't want then I will not do still difficult to find things I don't like to do of I'm course. pretty easy yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but because the persons around me now are very like uh, about positive like whatever they suggest to me I can feel there is no bad intention behind they have positive energy yeah positive yeah. energy and one other part I'm super thankful is and that people around me doesn't understand is I know what is bad I felt the darkness I've been there so now everything that's going through the light every little small kindness act that people are doing to me I feel so thankful and I keep saying thank you every time Every time, even for a little thing, I'm saying thank you, thank you. And uh, so now I have someone else in my life. And he doesn't get it because every time he's saying, what I'm doing is normal. No, you should not say thankful for, thank you for that. Because yeah, maybe for him, I make him feel like he's doing effort to do that. But my point of view is, I just like to receive this affection. I just like to receive this kindness. So I just want to share and like think, I really appreciate it. I really enjoy every little moment. I don't want to to think that this act of kindness, it's due. It, I mean, it should be maybe in the relationship, but if you think it's due, then you stop enjoying it. And maybe you ask for more and for more, and then you end up never happy and asking too much to others. But for me, it's really like the simple thing, just, just him saying, oh, can I come over? Can I stay over? I was like, yes, of course. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank, thank you. <laughs> thank yeah. you for wanting to spend time with me. Yeah. No, I love the fact you mentioned this because when you said, uh, I know this is super weird, but I was actually just about to ask you, are you somewhat thankful for the experience? But I was trying to say it in a way that wasn't weird, if you know what I mean? Like, are you thankful you went through? But I think you've answered it perfectly that especially even the small things now, because you've been on the other side where you have experienced, quote, a nightmare, you can now experience anything and see the positive 
benefits in it and really get gratitude, which is one of the most powerful human emotions. Mm. So that's testament that you've come out the other side. Yeah, yeah that's uh, a really, it, of course, it's, I learned it the hard way. Like it went really far and where I'm not thankful is for my son because he's only, like from the beginning of his life, he saw his mother completely broken. Like I think he never saw me happy um, until I really get over it. And he was witness of all this violence, and for this I feel very guilty because even today um, I'm still in the process of healing. Of you course, know? of course. I'm I'm here today because even though I thought I put that behind me, I'm not sure why. But these past few weeks, there is something like an inner voice in my mind saying, "You're not done with that. You're not done with this story. You're still." I, I could not have like a quiet time alone without my brain starting talking to me and starting to to remember what happened and and I'm like I don't want, I don't want that <laughs> I just want to but then I just after thinking about it I just realized that maybe I just put away all of my feeling and this in the past because my protective reaction is to do okay that happened move on but on that kind of situation it's a little bit more deep of course, than that yeah. The hardest part, the hardest, hardest act is to live, of course, but it doesn't end here. You have to work on yourself and make sure you feel better. Not saying that happened, it's over. And what happened is I, had, I did this exercise, which is also really weird of me, but I was crawling on Facebook and I saw like a newspaper was looking for witness of toxic relationship. And it was just like, a formula saying okay you can write down what happened to you and I start to write down my story I didn't send it to them but I just write down the story I put it away for a few hours and then I come back and I, I read what I read it but in the perspective of that happened to someone else and when I wrote it I start to cry and I said my god that's horrible what happened and then I start to ask me that's me. <laughs> That's me happen. So it's not if it's horrible for other, it should be horrible for me also. I should not think that if it's me, it's okay. I can move on. No, that's something strong happened, something mm. dark happened. And he ha it happened for a reason. It's because maybe I wasn't aware enough. Uh, maybe I wasn't grow up enough. And maybe the universe wanting me to learn my lesson in a way, maybe the hard way, yeah, <laughs> but it worked, it worked, it's now I, I know what is the, what is toxic relationship, I don't want to say I will never fall again for toxic men because, but now that's become my biggest fear, mm. it's, okay, I still want to trust people because I don't want to put the blame of one guy on Exactly, others. you don't want that to distort your lens. No, that's, that was uh, the first thing I thought is like, I don't want to lose trust on other people. I don't want to. I don't want to think that all the men are the same. That's that's not true. Like there is good men around. That's for sure. So I really stopped blocking that. But I did have a trust issue on myself. Saying no, what what I think I'm thinking it's wrong. What I think I want to do is wrong. What I think about this person is wrong. So it's like again I'm doing the bad choices, and uh, so. Yeah, so that's, that was kind of 
difficult to, I mean, still working on it. Of course, I yeah. Mean. So that's why uh, up to today, I was my inner voice was telling me, you need to do more. You need to, now I'm looking back to go back to therapy. I'm doing some Reiki. I, and to be here today also, it's one of these parts because I think it's important to talk about it. First for yourself, because to speak about it is make it real. And it's also now part of who I am. And I think it's important for the people around me to understand also what happened. So it's one of the way. And also to let other people know that it happened to others. Because on my case, when I say I felt lonely is because we all know about toxic relationship. We all know about domestic violence. Everyone is aware of that. But it's really, really, really rare to hear the story of someone who's been through it, mm. right? Because, and I understand why that when it happened to you, you don't want to share it because there's, I think, multiple reason because you don't want to live again what happened because when you talk about it, then you have to go back in exactly, the past yeah, and, yeah. and go through it one more time. But I think also there is a big part of being feeling shameful. Of course, yeah. Because you are scared to be judged. Because for others, come on, that was a BS. He was cheating. Why didn't you leave at that time? Why? It was he hit you once. Why did you stay in the apartment? It's easier to see the picture when you're not in it. Yeah. Always. Exactly. Yeah. So you think you feel guilty and ashamed. So that's why you prefer not to talk about it. So people will not judge you. And um, yeah, so that that's why I think it's no one talking about it. And I think today it's important to talk about it it's because the person who's going through that and it's woman or men, because I know on both sides that men also are going through very toxic and violent relationship. But the other one, maybe we talk about less because a man will not dare to say, my wife is mm. kicking my ass. <laughs> so, and my wife is like uh, telling me what to do and all this stuff. So I think it's maybe even more difficult for men. But anyway, so for anyone to understand that it happened to others and it's okay to talk about it, there is no judgment. Um, and they should just, just embrace that, yeah, it happened and now the, the thing is what's the next step how to build yourself again because you will have to build yourself again because this kind of traumatic event in a way of course put you back to the ground and saying now I have to start to build my life again and you need to think about that at first absolutely sure. that's yeah. for you and if you have kids for your kids because I think there is also a very wrong belief of you have kids so you have to go through your marriage whatever happened like you need to sacrifice yourself. That's something I heard a lot. You need to sacrifice for your kid. No, that's that's so wrong. That's really wrong. So of course, if both of the, like the husband and the wife want like all the marriage have up and down, right? Sometimes you will not be happy in your relationship, but if both want to stay together, try to do something for the kids. Yes, okay, of course you have to do whatever you can to save your marriage. But in the kind of toxic relationship and violent, domestic violence, it means only one of the side is sacrificing. And for the kids to witness this kind of 
unhealthy relationship, unhealthy family, that's that's worse. I think a kid just want their parents to be happy, and if it's happy means to separate, divorce, or whatever, then you should go for it. Absolutely, uh, a kid cannot be happy with. It's like. When all this mom saying, oh, I'm taking some me time and they are getting judged because they are not taking care of their kid at that time. But no, of course, mother also needs mother and father. You need me time. So until you're happy yourself, your kid cannot be happy. It's impossible. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel it's the same as uh, I have this image. And when you're in the plane and they say the safety is to put your mask on first and then the kid. Because why? If you are bad, you are feeling bad. All right. If something happened to you, you cannot help your kid. So you need to take care of yourself first. And then you can take care of your child. Absolutely. Like, so. yeah, this glass of water we have in front, you can't pour from the empty cup. You mm. have to have something in there for the child. Absolutely. Exactly. And I think there were a lot of things there that resonated with me, Lou, such as having the empathy to write out a letter and see it from someone else's eyes. That takes real skill just to see something from someone else's perspective and not be perhaps emotionally clouded and then actually realize it was what happened. Also that this is a process, of course. There's no like magic cure of one day, whoo, I'm healed. Like that yeah. first dance, first night out, I'm sure it was amazing, but of course it doesn't change yeah. all of the baggage. And also that it is important to talk and share, also to help others as well, where I've shown you podcasts before I've done on similar subjects that helped many people. I'm sure it might have helped you. This will help others. And throughout this conversation, we, we have talked about a heavy topic, of course, but we've also been quite upbeat. Like you were talking about saying thank you for everything nowadays and there's gratitude and you really became reborn almost and you can still have someone in your life. You know, you have a partner currently, you still have a relationship with your son. It doesn't have to be the end, quote unquote. You have to make the comeback and that is the whole ethos, ethos of the show, which I think you've encapsulated. Yeah, no, that's, that's totally true. And yeah, and it's important for people to understand that the people who are going through this kind of stuff, some some don't realize it yet. But when you realize it, you need to understand that it takes time. It won't happen. Even the decision of leaving, it's it's okay if it takes time. You need to go step by step and don't force yourself to do something you are not ready to do. Also, because then you will feel even worse. Of course, if you're not safe, leave the, leave the house. Mm. But don't be too hard on yourself if at this day you feel that you are not able to leave a toxic man. It will come just... The first step is to realize you're in a toxic relationship. Awareness. Awareness. That's the first step. And I'm pretty sure that from the moment you're aware, even if it takes time, you will get there. You will, you will manage to get out of there. Because, yeah, of course, when you're getting blind, like... I know in French we are saying love make you blind. Mm -hmm. It's not love. Love is blind because love is blind. It's about like appearance. I can love you even if uh, I don't find you beautiful. But here it's love make you blind. Uh, you can be in love and you don't see what's happening to you. And what's ironic in my situation is that my sister and my father has been both in toxic relationship very badly, and I was like hundred percent you're in the toxic relationship, get out of there. And the irony of that is that I was myself in one and I saw in them what I could not see in me. So that was kind of, so that's also uh, something, another part important is for the people who witness someone in the toxic relationship, 
Um, I think those people need to be very patient. Of course, you need to share with the, the person that are in the relationship what you think, what you're seeing, and give them advice and tell them you're here for them. But don't go and force yourself on them because until this person is ready to understand what's happening, you will go just against the wall and you will get nothing of it. And then the second part from that will be please be very patient and don't give up on your friend that are in toxic relationship because I know it can be really frustrated when you want to help someone but this person doesn't want to receive your help. So at the end you're like, I give up. I told her so now it's still, it's her problem. Right? So, but should not give up. Just stay around and, and when you see it's going down for this person, just be here for them because otherwise if a person in a toxic relationship, first, they start to be aware of what happened. But if they don't have a proper surrounding, proper friend or family around, they will never dare to leave. Because one of the biggest fears is to be alone. Be alone. <laughs> it's a human fear. Yeah, it's a human yeah. thing. It's like you be alone and you don't want to be alone and you're scared because you don't know what to do. So you're thinking, oh, okay, so maybe I should just stay there. and. And of course, when you're in this situation, everything is your fault from the point of view of your partner. Yeah, sure. Because they managed to make you think that, like, me cheating on me, it was my fault. You know, he told me, like, oh, you were getting, how to say, you stop going to the gym and you, like, uh, don't take care of yourself anymore. I was eight months pregnant, man. <laughs> <laughs> of course, I cannot go to the gym and I cannot dress like with high heels and. Uh, yeah, it's probably not wise to be going on a ten k. No, so <laughs> after that, it's it seems stupid, but in their mind, they really believe it's your fault. Yeah. And they would believe it so much that they make you think also it's your fault. So, the people victim of this, there, if they don't have the proper friends around, our families, our supports they will never probably it will take maybe a longer time for them to to make the step to mm. go out so just i think for the friends who notice this kind of thing be patient don't give up on them and and being there for them even by doing nothing it's already great exactly time. being there is key mm. just being there and having that supportive ear or anything to listen um, can I ask you, do you still have any contact with him or what's the relationship like with him now? Sorry, I feel uh, like I'm compelled to ask. No, that's, uh, so that's one of my main problems actually because uh, I, I do still have contacts because we are still, like we have sharing custody. Of course, yeah. I'm honestly still not out of this mess because now being in Vietnam and married in Vietnam, so legally married in Vietnam, I need to do the divorce in the Vietnam, the Vietnam way. Vietnam way. And until then, I, uh, I mean, we still have one son and also, uh, that's maybe I'm still being judged by my friend, but for me, what he did was horrible, yes. But I'm not ready to tell to my son that take away my son from his father. So if I can find a way to I, okay, yes, of course, it will still be a little bit there, but we can try to find ways. So for now, what we're doing is uh, the custody stop, like he bring him to school on the Monday and I pick him up 
at school on the Monday evening, then he stayed a week with me, and the next Monday I bring him to school, and then he pick him up, so we don't cross paths yeah. too much. Cool. It happened, of course, sometime, but I'm trying to, to stay. So on this book, So Much For Love, she explained also what are the techniques to get away, and there's basically two techniques. The easiest way, if you can, it's of course to cut or contact Co all ties finish it off because even after all that happened he didn't leave me alone he this kind of person they will try to to touch all the button they can to make you react and from the moment they will have even a single reaction for you it's a it will be a win for them and it will be like small opening to say i still have power on her so i go for it so for me he tried everything possible so of course there was the violence after he tried the suicide, like saying, I'm going to kill myself. And he did it actually many times. And until the day I ignore him and I say, okay, go for it. And of course he didn't. So, but every little single thing he tried to have power on. So in case you cannot just cut everything out from this person, like in my situation, because we have a son together, she illustrated as a jellyfish under Xanax, so stone jellyfish. <laughs> stone jellyfish? It's like a, yes, it's like you don't show any feeling. Whatever you say, whatever he's trying to do, you don't show any reaction. It's like you're Zen, meditation. <laughs> I'm not going to react to that, I will let it go. And she illustrated that with. Uh, this kind of person being a shark, which is super kind of funny for me because my biggest fear are sharks. I, it's my biggest phobia. I cannot wow. even see a shark in picture. So when I saw on this book, she said, they are sharks. And I was like, oh my God, I should have known. <laughs> and so she illustrated that, that the shark, from the moment they see blood, they are going to attack. So your reaction is the blood. So when you're a jellyfish, first the jellyfish, they don't have blood and when you're stone like you have no reaction they can try everything you're not going to bleed you're just okay chilling around under the sea and the child being around like looking for something to bite but cannot find anything so at some point they will go away and find i don't know another purpose in their life so that's one of her advice, and it's actually work very well. Excellent. Like, whatever I try to do, just be don't zen. react, be zen. We put just basic rule for our son saying, okay, we have it one weekage. We have to keep our job in touch for health. If anything happened to him when he's with you and with me, I need to tell you if our school. Other than that, we strict minimum and and that helped to, to put the stress away a little bit. I'm still honestly super scared, <laughs> like physically scared when I have to, when I know that I'm going to meet him face to face. Sure. But that's my inner side. And, but when I'm facing him, I'm like, cool, I'm cool. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> so, so that's one of the way. And yeah. at some point they will just, maybe yeah. sometime to time they will come back and try to poke you again. Um, but it's cool. You ignore. Yeah. You just okay, and you show that you move on. 
and you, that's okay. And you have moved on, yeah. I mean, and I have moved on, and and that's still the only thing bugging me is like we still cannot get the divorce because for me this divorce will be really kind of the end of the yeah, story. Yeah, yeah. Like the the official finalize the chapter. Finalize chapter when I can just move to something else. Until that, I just have it on to myself but still living my life and doing whatever I want to do and just being with the people I care about and and that's okay that's okay yeah thank you thank you very much I'm, I'm turning into you now thank you thank you thank you thank you <laughs> yeah thank you very much I've um, I have actually enjoyed it I was cautious on using the word enjoyed but I have enjoyed hearing your story for many reasons but primarily because this show is the comeback beats the setback and we have discussed in depth the setback and how horrible it was, but also how you come back, which is key because this might sound harsh to some people, but you will face challenges and sometimes in this case, very harsh ones. But if you allow it to define your life, then that will be your story. You've not done that. You've said this will be my story instead. And you've gone beyond that. Thank you and well done. No problem. On this situation, you need to understand that you are the one in charge. No one can do this step for you. No one can, can put you on your like on your you can have friends to support you but they cannot do the, the they can only do so step. much yeah they can yeah. be there they can give some contact to help you but you are the one who are going to actually do and actually like make the step to break up with this kind of relationship make the step to go on with your life make the step to decide what's going to be your life next so it's hard, of course, some people are very scared to do this kind of thing, but kind of unfortunately, unfortunately, it's necessary because I learned so much about myself. <laughs> so even just being to the therapy, uh, of course, it started to speak about what happened with him, but it went much deeper than that and say, yes, that happened with me, with him, but now what's happening with you? And it helped you to know why you react this way and it's okay to react this way and what do you need to do to get some self-confidence again get um, just to move on and feel better and and I love to know the person I am now I'm pretty proud of <laughs> even though I have still some lack but uh, we all do <laughs> everyone does <laughs> still working on it but I'm still happy to be the, the way I am now and I just go on and continue my healing process because Maybe we never recover fully because you become a new person and it's becoming the part of yourself. But that doesn't mean that you will be in the dark place all the time. You just need to use that as a, how to say it? As fuel. Yes, as a yeah, fuel yeah. To, to just like Pre jump and, and go for it. Propel yourself forward. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Lou, thank you very, very much. I've really enjoyed your story. Well done and keep up the good work. Thank you very much for having me and listening to me.